0: hello this is movie thoughts my name is John Hastings this is my podcast where I talk about movies and my ideas about movies we have a, a Facebook fan page at movie thoughts podcast I do this uh, YouTube stream at the, under the username forager23 and I have reviews on Letterboxd uh, under the username forager23 uh, this is the uh, 27th episode so When I first started uh, this podcast, I had a list of ideas of episodes I wanted to do, and two of them on that original list were, one was this episode about, um, I wanted to talk about the film critics who had influenced me and influenced the way I think about movies. And then also uh, the second idea I had was, um, or the second idea, one of the other ideas on this list was a kind of autobiography of, or a memoir of how I became the movie buff I am today. So kind of going through stage by stage to where I got, got me to to where i am today and i actually started working on uh jotting down some ideas for that autobiographical episode and kind of going back and thinking about what movies were important to me but as i was putting it together i realized it wouldn't make sense without talking about the critical um the the critics who i was reading to, and it also started to feel sort of self-centered and not especially um interesting, necessarily. So I decided to scrap that episode and, just, and and work on just talking about my critical influences. It, it ended up, I think it's going to end up being just as self-centered as the other one would have been. Um, and, you know, as I put it together, I was realizing, you know, it's actually not necessarily that special. So I, I uh, wouldn't, I present this story or this conversation not to present myself as some free-thinking guy who's into all this obscure stuff, um, some type of, like, maverick thinker, I'm pretty – the stuff I'm going to talk about is, I think, pretty fairly straightforward and well-known. It's not like um, – you know, I don't know all the all my choices are, and this are obvious, but a lot of them are kind of right down the middle. So I just – that's the warning to the caveat. Um, I want to focus – really on on the kind of critics and writers about movies and art who influenced me once I was self-consciously kind of a movie buff um i will mention some of my uh kind of influences to get me into being a movie buff and that's sort of some of this autobiographical stuff that i'm going to not talk about too much but i have to have to begin it somewhere so one is that um I I did come into a kind of seriously looking at movies um, in a way through uh, different aspects of kind of nerd culture or geek culture. So one would be um, role-playing games. I uh, Especially the Steve Jackson games had a game called GURPS, which stood for Generic Universal Role-Playing System, and they put out a series of source books for different kind of genres um, of uh, stories. Um, so they had a book on fantasy and a book on science fiction and a book on westerns. So you could uh, kind of do role playing games in each of these different um, genres or milieus or, you know, different idiom. And uh, the notes or the recommendations about what movies to watch was actually sort of t- turned me on to a lot of things that I would not necessarily have just kind of discovered on my own and i ended up watching things like uh for the first time movies like the seven samurai for for the first time partly out of a desire to see if i could incorporate some of that into the role playing game experience and then the other uh big nerd culture area comic books uh you know tim burton's batman movie was a big deal for me as a as a gateway movie a, a really turned me into in many ways as being a serious movie fan um, you know that was one of the big influences on me and, and through Tim Burton's Batman I um, you know that's really where I, where I first knew about Jack Nicholson and then went to watch a bunch of Jack Nicholson movies from the 70s and that introduced me to a whole wide range of, uh, of, of movies and then at the, sim- at the same time, I also got into watching Twin Peaks, which led me to Blue Velvet, and that was the other big kind of gateway for for me to become a, a movie buff. So once I became kind of started to think of myself as a movie buff, um, uh, and this is I still, you know, this is kind of right on the verge of like being co- kind of consciously thoughtful about movies, but I started reading Entertainment Weekly uh, a lot, and their things like their lists of like the best hundred comedies or best hundred cult movies were important on kind of expanding the, my my scope of what I was watching. So I, I didn't really uh, agree with like a lot of their critical vision and of their reviewers or their critics, but I did appreciate their 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 lists. That's why one of the reasons I still really like lists today. Um, but I, uh, you know, that, that those so those influences were, were kind of there and kind of in the background. Once I first encountered my first, what I would think of the the first real kind of critics who who had an influence on me, um, and uh, I'm gonna I, I also want to mention now, kind of mention like oh, Entertainment Weekly was kind of uh, influential in some ways, but I didn't really agree with it. I, I should point out that most of the critics I'm going to talk about, I don't necessarily would say that I ever kind of endorsed all of their specific opinions on movies or that I even necessarily think that kind of specific opinions or specific agreement on specific movies is as important to me as the influence that the general approach to how we watch movies or how we respond to movies or how we think about movies has been they're not completely unrelated because if I found that i was reading uh people and uh i kind of constantly thought that they their take on movies was just always opposite mine or completely wrong i probably wouldn't um that would probably t- say, tell something and it would be a sign that i wasn't you know that would probably be meaningful in some way having said that a lot of these folks uh who were influential on me i certainly don't agree with them on all movies and i think most in in some ways i can't think of a great critic who you would agree with everything on. Part of what being a great critic is, I think, is having a, to a certain extent, an iconoclastic or idiosyncratic worldview. And the idea that you're gonna be on the same page as someone like that uh, every single time out is not, um, I don't think is that necessarily the most reasonable assumption. Um, But like I say, the general philosophy, or their their general take or approach has certainly shaped my philosophy. And so we'll start by, you know, talking about one of the th- obvious uh, choices. Um, you know, kind of something completely obvious, no duh, like, okay, of course, like, why almost f- feels silly mentioning, but one of the f- first influences on me and major influences on me was uh, Pauline Kael's uh, criticism. And I still remember the first time I uh, f- read Pauline kale's work, uh, I was actually a neighbor had, um, you know, I was 13 or 14 and a neighbor had paid me, um, as like a little kind of summer, uh, part, part-time job to help them get their house ready for, I think they were, I forget, I guess they were, had moved into their house and paid me to like help unpack. And, um, so I was unpacking their books, and I found uh, the um, they had a copy of Pauline Kild's Hooked, I think it was. And as I you know, was putting books on the shelf, I kind of noticed, like, oh, that looks like a pretty cool uh, book. It's about movies. I like movies. And during my kind of break to have lemonade and stuff, I picked out the book and started reading it. And soon found it was actually keeping me from finishing the the job so i had to put it away and eventually uh very quickly i uh, went to my local library and got got the Pauling and Kale books out of the library and started reading them um so you know Pauling Kale's one of the you know the major american critics um i usually lump her in with manny farber and andrew saris as the other two ones who were who were kind of big for me and kind of big for everyone um, you know, you can look back and very much criticize kind of reducing it to those three. There's a lot of other, there's actually many other critics from their era who are really worthwhile reading. And um, m- most of those critics I kind of discovered too late to, to maybe, maybe too late to be a big influence on me. Um, but uh, the, but of, of kind of Kale, Farber, and Sarahs, so they were. They were I, I, I hit them at the right time to, to that they really made a difference, but Pauline Kael was the the strongest and first influence, and the some of the central parts of her approach of her worldview are are still with me and have re, re, kind of remained with me more or less uh, strongly ever since. And and those I would say, this idea that you know watching movies is an immediate experience. Um, so it you know movies are about you're experiencing them in time Uh, they have a performative aspect they're a performance it is not quite the same thing as a uh you know um my my sense of movies it's not that you can't be or you know certainly you can movies kind of you can approach movies in different ways my approach tends not to be in the sense of uh looking at movies as uh, conceptual artworks where you are meant to experience it experience it and then step back and kind of think about what that experience meant um disconnected from the moment to moment uh disconnected from the moment-to-moment experience of watching the movie if that makes sense um and so Kale kind of sees things as, as as performative as part of this uh Experience, she, you know, related to that, uh, the movies have a sensual uh, element that needs to be acknowledged, and that um, her critics often kind of uh, strawman that argument by saying that's all she's interested in. She's just interested in the sensual. Um, and she's actually pretty specific, when she was specific about it, and, you know, she said that, uh, you know, um, it's diff- that's not what she's saying at all. That everything is just sensual. Um, you know, the, she explains the title of her her collection, "Kiss Kiss Bang Bang," by saying, you know, "Kiss Kiss Bang Bang" represents what often gets us into movies. So the sensual element often, of, you know, usually pulls us in. But she also says that the sad thing is that sometimes all movies deliver that they kind of don't then deliver something more than just the, that sensual, um, visceral element. Uh, and So, I think she was aware that, like, for her, the sensual was not enough. Um, But I think, you know, a lot of her critics uh, kind of discount the sensual altogether or discount the idea that the sensual can pull us into a more contemplative or more um, intellectual appreciation for a movie. And that um, there's, uh, I I think, um, some of her, her more vocal critics uh have a desire to move the sensual out of movie watching altogether uh and I think that leads to sort of a boring uh sort of this this desire to uh, can uh, kind of canonize or or celebrate pretty boring movies to be to be fair um and of course you know I can see her critics saying like oh you're just arguing against you know you're being uh philistine and arguing against uh um, you know, arguing just in favor of 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 sensuality and visceral thrills, and that's exactly that's not what I said. Um, to be clear, I think the uh, the what her critics are missing, or, or or sometimes her critics are pushing, is this idea that the sens the, the kind of sensual or the visceral is um, uh, kind of bad in its own right or has a negative connotation to it, and I just think that's not true. I, I think it's you know, I think our way into art is is often through that that uh, that appreciation for um, for 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 beauty and for um, excitement and for spectacle, as much as anything else. Uh, so, um, you know, so the the you know the anti kale sentiment is, I think. Um, you know, like I say, it has to do with this mistrust of theatricality, of sensuality. I've talked about kind of the egghead uh, dislike of theatricality before. They have this dis- can Some of them have this dislike of of sensuality. It's the going from egghead to like the eunuch view of movie watching. Um, Kale is against this idea that austerity and rigor are the most Highly uh, are the values to be most highly praised or sought after in filmmaking, and I, I sort of agree with that. Um, I I think that those are useful. I don't. I wouldn't throw those values out, but I think kind of putting them at the top of the hierarchy um, is sort of anti-human. Um, the other thing I want to mention just about some of the criticisms of, of Pauline Kael too is, uh, as I feel, you know, even though this is Start, you know, the idea of talking about her is to talk about what, why her thoughts that influenced me. That I feel compelled to, at least somewhat, step in to, to offer a comment on some of the uh, critics criticism I've seen directed on her on the internet when I've talked conversations about her come up on the internet, and and I do think that um, a lot of the anti uh, Kale sentiment comes down from comes down to sexism, and I've. M- I've brought this up before and people who would be first in line to point out sexism in almost any other context are often kind of sputter and say like no 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 it's not the sexism it's not that she's a woman it's like her tone that she takes she's anti-intellectual and literally this is not a joke I'm not making this up Um, someone told me the problem with her is that she writes in the, often the first person plural so she says like, we see or we respond to the movie this way and they, this person said that that was a, a fascistic um, tactic because she's assuming how other people are responding to the movie and, you know, if she was a great critic she wouldn't do that. And I I think that's sort of bonkers because that's just a convention of how pe- some people write about movies. It's, a, it's not just her. It's like a convention of how people write about art. It's this more art appreciation way uh, uh, of looking at things. Um, so I think people really uh, go around. I, I think it is more of this uh, annoyance of a uh, woman butting into this um, mostly uh, male-dominated world of movie buffs, movie eggheads um, that, that really rankles people. Uh, not that there's not like legitimate criticism of, of some of her, her work or her ideas, but I don't think that's what's driving a lot of the the tone of the criticism. Uh, the tone of the it's almost hysterical in some cases. People will get um, when they start to go on rants against her. Um, I mentioned before my one of my film professors, uh, Steve Weinberg. He, you know, he was obviously uh, he was a good friend of Pauline's. He was my first my first movie professor in college, and I'll, I'd add him as like a, also a big influence on me specifically. Um, i mentioned that you know his approach does kind of follow Pauline's in a lot of ways, but he he definitely has his own take on things. And kind of what I, my own approach has taken from Steve's is that he really seems to me to be one of the few you know free thinkers who's writing uh, criticism today, or writing about movies today and it it probably helps that he is a professor and so his film writing hasn't necessarily had to be his main gig so he hasn't had to make choices um about you know he hasn't worked he hasn't had to be part of the conversation or kind of um worried about pleasing editors or pleasing audiences in the same way um and that's led him to mean that he hasn't had to adjust his thinking about what's important or not based on what other people are saying or thinking and um you know, he sends out these great year-end best lists uh, every year to his friends, and they're usually filled with movies that have just slipped by the radar of just about everyone else. And um, it's because it's it's really kind of paying attention to his own response to the movies and not the buzz or, or what other people are talking about them. I'll mention Steve there. Uh, the next uh, kind of influence I want to talk about, and I'll, you know, like I said, I mentioned. Uh, Manny Farber, who is a big, uh, definitely a a writer I loved, but um, uh, other people have sung his praises uh, better uh, than I could. So I'll just say that uh, Manny Farber was super important to me. But the next one I wanted to talk about was, and I grouped them in a a sort of a weird way, I want to talk about the influence on me of uh, Harold Bloom, who's not a film critic, but was a literary critic and thinker, and then of the team David Bordwell and and Kristen Thompson and I link them because part of how I think about movies has has become sort of an amalgamation of Bloom's ideas about artistic influence this the anxiety of influence that uh, artists creative work is often driven by sometimes subconscious um, desire to uh, kind of overthrow the folks who are who they feel influenced from and often subconscious, not often uh, awareness of it. And then Bordwell and Thompson's ideas about filmmakers primarily as problem solvers, and the idea being that great filmmakers are the ones driven to solve new problems or to solve old problems in a a better way and, you know, whatever we want to mean by better. Um, That can be a lot of different things. So I kind of, in my mind, have linked those ideas, and I see a lot of... Uh, what leads to great art in this sense great filmmaking art in the sense of this conversation among filmmakers sort of trying to one-up each other and how to um, best deal with a topic or best present a type of uh, issue or best um, solve a problem of of storytelling or of uh, of theme or getting an idea or character across so that's part of that too you know, I mentioned, uh, talked a little about Pauline kale I mentioned Manny Farber briefly. Andrew Sarris was the other guy I talked about being part of that big three. And uh, I am definitely an admirer of him and a defender of his work. I like his book or the American cinema. But even though I would now, I've mentioned before, consider myself an auteurist, and uh, Sarris is, that's his school or his, his wing of things. For me, the big influence on me uh, in terms of my own, thinking about auteurism and how it, I kind of came into looking at movies primarily through that lens was through uh, a message board and the group of posters on uh, the a film by message board and this was a message board set up and devoted just to a criticism and discussion and that was like the one rule of the message board like you couldn't argue with a there because in anywhere else on the internet where movie discussions were happening if you were took an auteurist point of view, people would try to uh, come at you with reasons why tourism was silly or didn't work or doesn't fit with the way movies are actually made. And all of those actual kind of, most of the uh, arguments you'd see in those contexts against tourism had been dealt with in like the preface uh, for uh, Andrew Saris wrote for the American Cinema back in like 1968 or whenever. So um, you'd get these kind of criticisms that were based that had already kind of been dealt with in like one of the earliest widely circulated auteurist texts and so it was pretty these, these arguments really didn't weren't that useful or interesting so a bunch of auteurist uh, minded critics said let's have our own message board where we will talk about everything except you know that's off the table you know um, what has to be uh, what has to be allowed for is that auteurism we're not going to argue about it it just we all kind of agree with it and this is this really kind of where i got the most exposure to it and and really had my thinking shaped by it and there was a bunch of guys there who i think were really great thoughtful writers um but i will single out and i've mentioned him before i think bill crone uh his posts there were a huge influence on me and i've really have adopted a lot of the kind of schema and some of the jargon bill uh, used or kind of was trying to popularize to talk about movies and mainly the the thing I uh, got from bill is this you know the central question for him about watching movies and why kind of leading into why he developed a tourist point of view was the the question we keep in mind is how does this mean and giving an equal emphasis on the how kind of the technique uh, how, how the what the artist is doing as a filmmaker to get a to, to do it and and an equal emphasis on the how and the mean so that the the theme or the content is also important um, so it isn't just form for form's sake but there's a uh, there's a desire to express something related to human experience or history or the world um and uh kind of i think that's incidentally i think that's sort of where manny farber is going with his idea of different types of spaces when he in the the beginning of uh, the opening of negative space when he talks about the different types of spaces movies deal with um he's talking about that the same thing in a way um and then for bill bill the you know the the greatest directors don't just repeat conventional wisdom conventionally. Their work, you know, challenges or adds to our understandings of the art of film, the technique of how film uh, makes meaning, um, and also adds to our understanding or challenging our understanding of the way the world works. And you know, I've mentioned I've found these schema are useful and some of the jargon useful. A lot of people, even on that message board, pushed back and said, "We don't need more jargon. We don't need more schema." But I like, um, you know, Bill tried to popularize Jean-Claude Biet's kind of classification of different types of directors, which I found pretty, you know, have, have found sort of useful. That um, the lowest level is kind of just like the regular filmmaker who's more or less a traffic cop. He's making sure people show up on time. Uh, above that, there's a, a, a kind of level of two, um, two categories, and you can be one or both. Um, and there above that, there's the meter en and that shows a mastery of mise en scène, a mastery of technique or craft, um, a point of view towards technique, and then the auteur, which means you've got a uh, kind of an individual, unique point of view towards the world. And so you can be either. You can be either or both um, you can be an auteur who isn't a great mentor on sense so you've got the unique point of view but not really a um, the technique necessarily to express it or you're using conventional ideas to express it and I always think of um, the filmmaker my go-to filmmaker for that is Kevin Smith who I think does have a interesting take on things and has an interesting kind of uh, r- set of concerns and themes usually dealing with this milieu of um, you know, uh, middle class. You know, middle class New Jersey. I like I think of the movie Jersey Girl, which kind of deals with characters you don't often see in in big Hollywood movies. But then he isn't really a meta on He doesn't really have uh, the the chops to to kind of really say something interesting about how movies are made or, or make movies in in a very interesting way. Um, so that's at this level. And then above that level is is what he had called the cineast, and you know, it's like the total filmmaker. You know, you Jerry Lewis. Uh, the you know, the, kind of the Jerry Lewis frame, the total filmmaker, and that you're sort of above both metteur and scène and auteur. Like your 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 work is challenging the history of film and challenging uh, the history of the world. You're you're putting forth kind of new new thoughts or ideas, and that's kind of reserved for the highest level. And a lot of people criticize and say, wow, oh, that's just more categories for us to argue about." Um, and I do think, again, if there is as a, a discussion stopper, I would agree. But if you think of it as a discussion starter or a way to or, you know they're more interesting, and for me they've been useful as a way to organize my own thinking about them. So I found them helpful. Um, I point out too, is so while we're talking about tourism that you know the original in French it's La politique de auteur, and uh, auteur theory was Sarah's translation. Which again, early on he said that was a bad translation. He shouldn't have called it the auteur theory because theory makes it sound like it's a it's a theory about how movies are made, but really, it's a polemic, it's a politic, it's a policy, it's an approach, it's a way to argue for something you're seeing. So, um, I will, you know, I will agree that one of the reasons I like autourism as a policy is I I see something important in film. Um, if we look at movies that do have an interesting answer to that question, how does it mean? Uh, I think I see autourism as the 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 philosophy that we're we're pushing for movies that answer that question in an interesting way or like an engaging way. Okay, So that goes, you know, we started with like Pauline Kael and then started talking about message boards and then the last uh, kind of influence or or, or set of influences, you know, there's a lot of contemporary film writers who I do like and I read, um, I think of someone like Adrian Martin, for instance, who has a great kind of website now with all his criticism. Um, I always am interested to see what, um, Armand White has to say about a movie um, you know, along with uh, Steve Weinberg, I think he's very much a kind of a free man in terms of of the types of movies he champions and, and, you know, not going along with the status quo. I like keeping up with Richard Brody, um, even when I don't agree with him. But right now the writers who really kind of push me and get me thinking about movies and my own approach to movies are um, on a regular day basis, are people who are writing about movies on Facebook? Um, just kind of some of my, you know, just very often informally. Um, you know, one of the best writers about movies that I know is my friend Ron Salvatore, who doesn't write pro- kind of in a, any professional context or whatever, but writes really amazing reviews and appreciations of movies um, for for Facebook and um, a lot of what I try to do is like just a less good version of what what Ron does Um, someone else like this is Bill Ryan who does have a you know does have a has a had a blog um, which isn't as active as it used to be the blog was the kind of face you hate but he kinda writes about movies shares his thoughts on Facebook Um, and uh, you know those are um, those are the types of folks who are really influencing how I'm thinking about movies and talking about movies now and um, you know getting to that idea that I'm not interested necessarily in making big statements about things or taking a stand but you know criticism as a kind of conversation you have rather than as uh, uh, this idea that we're going to come to the conclusion and kind of set things in stone um, One of the kind of Maybe tragedy is too big a word, but disappointments of the internet movie discussion sphere was that um, it. I think it promises that there was going to be all these conversations, but it doesn't really deliver. Um, You know, people like Ron and Bill, uh, Bill Ryan, I think get that right, or their approach gets it right. I think it's unfortunate that you know, and and a lot of people who started in like blogging and and other parts and, and message boards, as they kind of became more legit or, or kind of got more involved in this kind of bigger, um, discussion as, as kind of the, the, the discussion sphere coalesced into something more, more formalized in some ways. Um, it, it became less interesting, uh, in a lot of ways it became more about taking a stand and, 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 and defending your ground rather than engaging in a conversation. Um, you know, this type of writing kind of Facebook writing, um, isn't, uh, you know message board writing comment section writing isn't valued very much unfortunately even though i think it's uh, it's often really great i wish it was more valued um you know i think right now about someone like the late uh, great tom block who who was a film writer who had some you know you could find some places on websites he had his review and i first encountered him i met him on a message board and then later it became friends with him on facebook but um you know, Tom didn't just write about film. He wrote about his life, and you know, he is facebooking. His Facebook journaling was really an art, and it's a kind of a great, great kind of literary work of in its own right. And I think it's un, sort of unfortunate that that that's not considered as as valid a art form as you know, writing a memoir and having it kind of published in some form, um, especially uh, nowadays. Certainly there's a lot of uh noise out there but um right now at least the types of things I'm interested in are more the the kind of criticism as a as a conversation of personal discussions which things like Facebook and things like doing this podcast uh you know help me uh hopefully kind of moving towards um ho- hopefully will help me uh i guess uh, accomplish i don't know anyways that's uh... kind of brings me to where where i am today and uh, that's all i have for now take care